Hi there, it's Matt here and welcome back to the final installment in this series on sleep, learning and memory. And don't worry, by the way, there's going to be so much more to say on this topic, including the idea of selectively hacking which memories you decide to line up for sleep enhancement and also the role of sleep in actively forgetting rather than remembering information. But exactly how does deep sleep save memories within the brain? What is going on inside of your brain during deep non-REM sleep that is so special that it allows you to fixate new memories and stop your brain from forgetting? Well, We've discovered that there are at least two non-mutually exclusive mechanisms that will causally explain how your sleeping brain retains and remembers new information. These are the following. The first is a process of shifting information from short to long-term memory storage sites. The second is something that we call memory replay. And it's something that may have also been an inspiration for the movie Inception. And we'll get to that, don't worry. By the way, I should note, there is a third possible mechanism that concerns the rebalancing of the strength of the connections within the brain, or what we call the rebalancing of synaptic homeostasis. But we're going to come on to that in a later episode when we speak about how sleep can also unwire the brain rather than rewire the brain, and specifically when it comes to sleep and forgetting. And yes, I did just say that, that one of the benefits of sleep is also to help us forget as well as help us to remember. I will unpack that paradox in a later episode, but today we're going to focus on how the sleeping brain helps you remember. And we're going to focus on those two mechanisms that I described. So let's come on to the first mechanism, which is all about memory transfer. Radios. <laughs> Radios really, I'm showing my age now, they're almost not relevant anymore. But most people probably know of the concept of an AM radio station and an FM radio station. Now, FM uses faster frequency radio waves that go up and down many more times per second, whilst AM radio waves are significantly slower. Now, there are many advantages, it turns out, to FM radio waves, but there's a big disadvantage. FM radio waves run out of steam rather quickly in terms of their ability to travel long distances, in terms of being able to transfer information long range, as it were. Today's podcast is supported by the electrolyte company called Element, which is actually not the full word, but it's just four letters, L-M-N-T. I am a self-admitted exercise nut and I started buying their product some time ago for two main reasons. The first is that Element has no sugar and it also has no coloring or artificial ingredients and I am pretty diligent about trying to remove any sugar from my diet or as much as I can of course. 
The second is because of the founders who have a track record in biochemistry experience under their belts. And that scientific focus is one that I admire. So if you want to give this a try, go to drinkelement.com. That is the word drink, L-M-N-T.com forward slash Matt Walker. And you will get eight free sample packs with any order. So once again, that is drinklmnt.com forward slash Matt Walker. Why on earth am I telling you about radio waves? Well, as you'll recall from our first episode in this podcast series ever, uh, episode number one, we spoke about the different patterns of brainwave activity. And I told you that when we're awake, your brain experiences fast frequency frenetic activity. And you can think of this like the metaphorical FM radio. But when we go into deep non-REM sleep, the brain waves are much, much slower, almost like the AM radio waves in my crass analogy. And critically, like AM radio waves, those big, slow, powerful brain waves of deep non-REM sleep they have the very same far-reaching communication transferabilities to transact information across different geographical locations, but here inside of the brain. And it's when we go into deep non-REM sleep and the brain erupts with those big, powerful, slow waves that we see this movement of activity. These slow waves will actually go front to back of the brain and vice versa. And don't forget that riding on top of those deep, slow waves are the wonderful bursts of activity called sleep spindles that I also described in the first episode. And it's this combination of deep, slow brain waves together with those faster sleep spindles that ideally are suited for long wave communication of information transfer within the brain. And you can almost think of each one of these slow, deep brain waves as a courier, and they're able to carry packets of information between different anatomical brain centers, which is just another way of saying it's a file transfer mechanism. Because each night when you go into deep non-REM sleep, those long-range brain waves of deep sleep are going to be moving packets of information in other words, they're going to be moving new memories and they're going to be shifting those new memories from that short-term vulnerable memory reservoir that we've discussed before, which is the hippocampus, which you can think of almost like a USB stick, and it will shift them with those long-distance brainwaves across to a more permanent and thus safer long-term storage site within the brain that we call the cortex. And to keep with the crass computer analogy, you could almost think of the cortex like the large capacity hard drive storage site within the brain. And by the way, think about what this transfer mechanism means for the hippocampus and its limited USB-like storage limitations. It means that every night when we sleep, we are clearing out and transferring the files off of the USB stick, the hippocampus in the brain, over to that long-term permanent hard drive storage site in the brain called the cortex. And as a result, when we wake up each morning, we've now cleared out that USB memory stick. 
And as a consequence, we've refreshed and restored our ability to start learning new memories and putting them into that short-term memory reservoir all over again, plugging them into the hippocampus. And so the process repeats, filling up the USB stick with new information during the day, and then at night, transferring those memories over to the long-term storage site in the cortex, the hard drive. So that's the first mechanism that we've discovered, this combination of deep non-REM brainwaves that provides a file transfer mechanism, shifting them to that long-term safe storage site and therefore protecting them. The second memory mechanism is very different. It's called memory replay, and it is absolutely fascinating. Now, back in the 1990s, scientists were recording the activity of individual brain cells in these memory centers of rats as they were running around and learning a maze. And it turns out that different brain cells would code different parts of the maze. And think about those scientists recording the individual brain cells and assigning each one of those brain cells a different tone, a different sound. So as the rat is running around the maze, you would hear this signature of learning. So it would sound almost like that's my cheap version of sort of like some NPR podcast that has wonderful like sound background. I'm going to have to do it myself. We're on a budget here, folks. But coming back to it, focus, Matthew, again. The scientists were literally watching, or in actual fact, as I'm describing it, listening to the brain of the rats as they were imprinting new memories into the brain. And this, of course, was happening when they were awake. And another way to think about that is almost like etching glass, that as the rats were learning a maze, they were etching the first trace of the memory into the architecture of the brain. And each time that they ran around the maze, they etched the memory a little more deeply into the brain. Now, the technical term for that is actually that they were strengthening the connections within the new memory circuit. But by far and away, the more remarkable part of the experiment happened not when those rats were awake and learning, but when those rats fell asleep. The scientists kept listening. And what they discovered is that the sleeping brain would remarkably start to replay those new memory sequences, and specifically during deep non-REM sleep. But here was the surprising thing. It wasn't replaying the memories at standard waking speeds. When these rats went into deep non-REM sleep, they were replaying those memories much faster. So now instead, what you would hear would be, and in fact, what we've calculated is that during deep non-REM sleep, the brain will actually replay memory experiences anywhere from 10 to 20 times faster than waking reality. In other words, what's happening during deep non-REM sleep is what we call temporal compression, the speeding up of time dramatically. So returning to our glass etching analogy, during deep non-REM sleep, the memory trace is being replayed many, many times. And thus, the brain is repeatedly etching and scoring that memory trace 
ever stronger, ever deeper, ever more permanent into the brain. And it's just mind-blowing stuff. And I should also note, by the way, in neurological patients who have their brain cells being monitored with implanted electrodes for the purpose of epilepsy surgery, we've now been able to discover exactly the same type of memory replay, but in the human brain. The podcast is supported by Masterclass. Masterclass is an online streaming platform and you can learn from the best in the world on topics from cooking to business, sport, health, um, my goodness, you name it, it's the who are your teachers? The very best in the world. Names like Martin Scorsese, Venus Williams, Gordon Ramsay, Steph Curry, Bill Clinton. Uh, <laughs> you may even find a masterclass on there from a familiar sleep scientist. But anyway, Masterclass is offering a special gift for the holidays. If you buy one annual Masterclass membership, you get another one totally free. Yep, a completely free membership. And again, that's masterclass.com forward slash Matt Walker and terms apply. And now let's get back to the episode. So this is the second mechanism that we think helps explain why it is that deep non-REM sleep helps strengthen those individual memories. Oh, and I should note, by the way, that there is at least one other fascinating time during sleep when we see memory replay. We don't just see it during deep non-REM sleep. We also see it during REM sleep, which is the stage in which we dream. But here, things are very different to non-REM sleep. As I told you, during deep non-REM sleep, the brain will replay those memories 10 to 20 times faster. The opposite happens during REM sleep dreaming. Instead, memories during REM sleep are being replayed at much slower speeds, sometimes just half of the speed or 0.5 of the speed of waking experience, which is very different to non-REM sleep. So think of REM sleep almost like a slow motion replay of that information. In effect, time during REM sleep is slowed down. And this is what I've described previously as a form of time dilation or time expansion versus time compression, which is what happens during deep non-REM sleep. And previously I've written about why I think this explains some of the strange time perception differences of dreaming. Have you ever used a snooze button? Well, if the answer is yes, then you probably know what I'm about to describe and what I mean. Let's say the alarm goes off and you were dreaming and you hit your two minute snooze button and you go back to sleep and you go back to dreaming. And then two minutes later, the alarm goes off, but you feel as though you were dreaming for far, far longer than two minutes. Why? Because time within the dream is slowed down. It's expanded. And I mentioned earlier on the inspiration for a movie. Many of you will have seen the film Inception. And part of the movie involves dreaming and going down into lower and lower levels of the dreaming state. And 
according to the movie, as you descend down each of those levels, then time starts to slow down. So just as an example off the top of my head, let's say that 10 seconds in the real world, in the waking world, would be stretched out to 10 minutes in the first level of the dream. But if you then go down a few levels in the dream, 10 seconds in the real waking world would be stretched out to 10 days or even 10 years in the deepest of dream levels. <laughs> um, it's almost as though uh, the director and the writer of the movie, Chris Nolan, had a little bit of idea help from a sleep scientist. Now, by the way, I'm not suggesting that Inception is possible or that it happens or that science has proven that there are things like different levels of dreaming. But the idea in the movie itself is based on some credible science in terms of that temporal distortion that I described. So I will draw things to a close. Today, what we've learned is that the sleeping brain doesn't just simply help save new memories, but we've learned much more about how it does this, both in terms of a file transfer mechanism from short to long-term memory storage sites, and then also a different mechanism, a mechanism of memory replay, where the brain etches that information even more powerfully into the circuits of the brain. And with that, I will simply thank you ever so much for listening to the podcast and I wish you a joyful and a fulfilling rest of your day and evening and a restful night of slumber. Thanks very much. Take care and I'll see you soon. <laughs>